meeting. We can begin with the Pledge of Allegiance. To the flag of the United States of America and to the Republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. This meeting is now called to order. In line with the purpose of Christ's long-standing policy of open government and in compliance with the Open Public Meetings Act, I wish to advise you that adequate notice of this regular safe meeting was sent to the Asbury Park Press and other local newspapers on January 10, 2022. In each instance, the date, time, and location of this meeting were provided in the notice. This meeting is open to the public. Roll call. Councilmembers Beaver? Here. Burzal? Here. Booker? Here. Catalano? Here. Cuba? Lobby? Here. And of course, Mary Lobby's here. All right, first up will be remarks from the audience. If there's anybody online or in person would like to be heard, just please state your name and your address, and the floor is yours. Anybody on the line that can work today? All right, so we'll move right on to uh, items for discussion. Uh, first up is our usual capital projects update from our board administrator, Joe uh, A few projects are ongoing, uh, and we'll, I'd like to speak to them. Uh, uh, our backflow preventers uh, in the downtown have been held up because the contractor um, has been on a project in Oceanport, Oceanport uh, with his barge and it's necessary to have a barge to do the project uh, they have to do it from the riverside um, I know Kevin has been calling him I know Dave has been calling him um, he assures us that it'll be done in the next couple of weeks yeah I spoke to him <laughs> when, I spoke, when I spoke to him last week, he said that um, he's, he's got all his equipment over here. He's finishing up the um, Edgewater project, I guess, not Edgewater, the, the one that's the new marina that's owned by, yeah, Edgewater. Edgewater is Edgewater. Uh, he's finishing up that project. So all his equipment is over here. He's, he's geared up and ready to go. As soon as he finishes that one, he's going to shift over to ours and take care of ours. So, but his, his big issue was the storm last week, so he's just kind of whatever. But I don't know why he's not. He said he's going to take care of it this week. I don't know why he's not here. And we're hopeful that that program solves a, a, a lot of the nuisance flooding. You know, big ones, we're not going to solve it. But uh, a lot of the nuisance flooding, it should, it should, uh, it should be helpful. Um, hey, Joe, just a quick question. How many is, how many are included as part of that project? Five is part of that project, and ideally, how many does that leave left? I know we've got some complications up north, but ideally, how many would be left that we need to do? Two left, right, that we need to get um, in the downtown area that we need to get, and the rest of them are all state. There's six of them by state that they gave up on there. Including the ones on the south side, yeah. by Edgewood, where it floods all the time? That's all state. Yeah, right by uh, the, the, the even tide. Greg, any great group? Been in touch with the DOT, but they're kind of tight lipped on what they're doing or something. I think they're kind of waiting for the bridge to get done. It's just a long time. Well, we were, we were geared up and ready to go on two properties up north, and then the, those property owners lowered up, and they basically told us, oh, well, we're not doing anything. We're not doing anything. Yeah. I, I talked to the committee. Not from them since. They didn't really say they weren't doing anything. They said that they want their 15 foot wide even before they do anything, and they really can't do 15 foot wide even because it's garage home to the So that kind of put that in this pocket. And that's what we asked them, can you possibly mine it, as opposed to replacing the pipe and leaving it where it is. And that's what we're trying to get that answer out of the mayor, 
and and it's not how uh, Senator O'Scanlan helped me get to the commissioner's office, and I spoke with her. She wants it. She tells me they want to do them all at once, and I said, Commissioner, I understand that, but one is holding up the other five that that aren't problematic. You know, we're not having a problem with. So. Uh, and then great contact with the engineers to see if a relining would work. So I'm, I'm hopeful that um, you know our projects go slow, states go super slow. Um, so that's where we are with those uh, councilmen. Our road program, we're dealing with uh, uh, with the financing mechanism on this agenda. I could speak to it then when we get there. It's really the the bond ordinance for the 21 and 22 road programs. We have to put a financing mechanism in place because it's a reimbursement program. So we'll put the bond together to pay the contractors. It'll be done this fall. Um, in addition to that, we have the, the uh, several public works projects that we're, we're working on, uh, the, the relining in the downtown uh, system. Uh, Greg's been working with Dave on trying to get us a proposal to do that. Um, we're looking at the uh, uh, the viability of our River Street property for a future public works building uh, that's underway um, and just underway. It's an exploratory time right now. We don't know which way we're going anyway, but we want to see if we make sure we can build there if we want to build there. Um, because as you know, the, the uh, substations there, uh, the public works uh, sewer pump station is there. So we don't want to talk about it unless we can really do it there. If not, we have to find an alternate location. There's a lot of stuff underground right there in that spot. So, that so. so uh, 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 Greg Avakian's uh, group is looking at that right now to, to, to determine whether it's uh, it's buildable at all. Any, anything else on that, really? No, we're trying to get the final locations on utilities. So we're kind of following, that's the problem that we have Yeah. Right. Um, we also have, uh, uh, and I'll, I'll speak to it here, briefly and let Rich take over. Uh, there's a project on Va Mountain View Way, a subdivision, five or six lots, I believe it is. Uh, four residential, creation of four residential lots. And the, the, it requires a developer's agreement um, because there's public improvements and things as such, such as that. Rich, can you update us on that? So in the past few days, I think last Friday, we started, we got emails from um, the, the developer's team uh, pursuant to this uh, agreement, um, which again, which would create four residential lots, pursuant to a uh, resolution of a planning board that was passed on January 12, 2021. And um, so what they need, they're, they're anxious to get this before the council, they're anxious to get the development agreement approved. What they have to do is, uh, my understanding from my notes is, have a signed developer's agreement which is approved. Rogers approved the agreement with Dave Hoover's comments. They have to get the signed one and they have to get the performance guarantees um, um, in place. Um, and also they sent over a, a review, a deed of dedication because part of that um, application, I guess, is the condition of the planning board is uh, that they will grant an easement uh, to the borough for a north side sidewalk. Um, connection with some improvements, including a public stairway access um, on block 23, block 130. So uh, they haven't got all their stuff together, but the bottom line is they want to get here and get it approved. So um, you know, my thought is see if they can get their stuff together in the next couple of days and they can, can discuss.
decide what we want to do on Tuesday. We can send you all the stuff. But yeah, remember that. They haven't got everything all together yet. I remember that process. <coughs> it was over a year and a half ago, right? Yeah. Yeah, January uh, 2021 is the final resolution. I mean, it sounds like you're getting here. It sounds like you're anxious, but. Um, they were waiting for um, CAFRA permits and things oh, like that, that okay. which is what really delayed it a lot. Do you have a site plan? I don't think I have that here. I know Dave Holders reviewed everything, and I know he signed off and figured out the amounts of performance guarantees. I can see what I have, and if I have it, I can send it, or I can ask them to send an email to her, um, or we'll get it to you. But no, unfortunately, I don't have it. That's a very area. So I don't know what the planning board um, Approved. Um, yeah. We could probably get it to you, Jack. But we could get it from uh, Candace has the yeah, plans. Candace. Yeah, I'll take a look when we get back. What would be the intention for next Tuesday? Well, they want to get a uh, resolution for uh, authorizing the mayor's son to go because I mean it feels like this is moving pretty quick without having much of a chance to take a look at it. That could be. Um, it does have. I mean, that's all I know about it. The and developers' agreement just. We'll just, uh, um, what's the word, memorialize the planning board's approval of what we're, what they have to do for us. So I don't know that there's room for change other than asking Rich that it is it legally fine. Is that one that had like three, three units or five units or four. something? Four units that they were building up there that were facing. Yeah, north. yeah okay, that's that yeah. one. And they were supposed to be putting some kind of a easeway or something in? Yeah, yeah so. The type of member was like a cul-de-sac versus a, a left turn. Yeah, it was like the whole turnaround of the controversy. That's how things going for yeah. uh, Roger has approved the form of the agreement. Um, it has all the comments from the, the, the planning board engineer, and the planning board has approved the project. So yeah, I don't know how much more there is to do it. But we'll see something then before Tuesday, right? Mm-hmm. Or we won't do it Tuesday. Okay. Thanks, Jeff. Is that a wrap? Uh, that's a wrap for me, man. All right, I see our chief of police and our fire chief here. Chad, who would like to go first for your uh, public safety update? Brett Williams. Good morning, everybody. Let me just quick turn you guys have a lock on tonight. A fire alarm tore from kiosk open as of yesterday, $897,604.32. Also, um, our total for the tickets as of the end of September, 2,196 tickets, which is pretty good for us. So, that's the most I think we've ever done, so we definitely wrote some stuff with this. Um, last month, we got our normal stuff. We had assaults, disorderly persons, domestics, DWIs, harassments, mobile motor vehicle stops, Fights, you name it, we had all the most uh, car accidents that we saw, different types of assaults. So it was a typical September, and um, as you can see, the volume has definitely slowed down. The total number of call shirts last month was 531. Excuse me, excuse me, could, could the speaker please deploy? We cannot hear at all, at long distance at home. Thank you. Come on. <laughs> um, this is it. 
And right now, the only thing we have to the police department, we did lose one police officer to a neighboring town. We are in the hiring process, which hopefully will be done over the weekend. We do have some interviews coming up, which we will give to the mayor, hopefully on Sunday or Monday, who would like and have that person hopefully appointed on Tuesday, if it's okay with this community. That's all I have right now. If anybody has any questions, Forward for suggested appointment. What's that? Forward for your suggested appointment. Yeah. Great. Thank you very much. Thanks for your attention. Chief Murphy. Um, 425 Foster Service. Date. Um, the open house this past weekend was actually a bigger success than I thought it was going to be. I thought it would be a total bump, but it wasn't. Um, we did about. Uh, Probably throughout the three or four hours we were there, we probably had about 100 residents stopping um, over that time period. Uh, we're going to we continue to expand that next year, probably a little more. Um, yesterday, to memorialize that resolution, we asked at the last uh, meeting, we had our state inspection with DCA, um, the Division of Fire Safety, to approve us as a training site at the building, uh, which we got some of the problems. So now we are a state recognized, certified, recognized uh, training site here. So trying to do things the right way. Um, and then the last thing, we're we're set. And speaking with Don Klein and the first grade squad about the Halloween on the 29th. So we're set for that. Uh, the trunk retreat followed by the parade, and then uh, oh, we are doing that. Yeah. Yeah, we okay. Are. Yeah, we posted some of this. Somebody was asking on Facebook and then nobody was responding, so. There wasn't anything official. It wasn't official. Yeah, but Don is running with it and it's. Last I heard, Don, we'll show you. So when is it going to happen? It was the 29th. The 29th. Same day. Just Don was hesitant because we were having our 10th 10 year ceremony for Sandy. He wasn't sure he could have it. And maybe you two could just address that right now. Yeah, so what we decided they'll do it at noon, right? And then follow up at the firehouse will be for the kids. To, there'll be a parade right after the truck retreat. And then uh, after that, at the firehouse, there'll be some uh, refreshments and hot dogs for the right. kids. And then at 4 p.m., uh, we'll have a, cel a celebration. Yeah, absolutely. Celebration of how we've come back from Sandy 10 years. It's been and uh, there'll be speakers and some food and it'll be open to the public. It'll be at the firehouse, there'll be a tent behind in case we have any weather or large turnout. And uh, we're still assembling, there'll be a little entertainment, whatever, Willie's uh, engaged uh, to help us with food and uh, the fire department yep. helping out with food. And we're ready for both. Also, so it'll be uh, a busy day. It's a busy day. Yeah. Thanks, for everyone interested, the 22nd of October, which is Saturday, um, they're holding a memorial service for the Pete Prime Jr. Um, right. Fire's going to do a service, a quick service at high noon at Surf Park Beach Post. So, anybody interested in that? We're going to be there at uh, noon time on the 22nd. Surf we have some busy days because that's the library. Yep. Uh, and it kicks off at noon. Let's go yesterday. A little concerned, but our stuff will be pretty good. The parade is important, huh? Thank Chief. Thanks, Chef. Chief. Yes, sir. If um, I, I had the opportunity to be able to attend the the uh, 
um, the open house that you had, and I want to commend you know the group for putting that on. It was really nice to see you know our assets out and, and being able to engage with the public, etc. Um, I'm wondering, um, as I've seen other towns do, uh, I'm, I'm wondering if, if there is any has it, have been any, any thought given to um, uh, I know I know that but our our, our um, a couple of members of the police force there and etc. But but having even a even a, uh, um, a a potentially greater presence from the police at an event like that where everybody's out to have a chance to meet their their uh, um, you know their, their their officers and leadership and that sort of thing. Uh, I know we have national night out and, and that's a, that's a, that's a thing, right? But but um, uh, I'm I'm wondering if if there are if we can further maximize opportunities to be able to build relationships between. Uh, our first responders and, and our residents every chance we get. I'm wondering if, if there's been any, any thought or, uh, or an idea to kind of um, even expand on what was done this year and have it you know, look and feel more like a like a joint you know, effort. So, so like I said, I think we, we plan on expanding the event next year. This was just a trial. We already have ideas, so I could definitely support with Fred. <coughs> It's great. I, I just think it's you know, there, any opportunity we have to be able to, to, to bring services to the public, in particular first responders, to be able to engage with the public that they serve, and those in the community to be able to meet those who are, um, you know, engaged on, on their behalf as far as safety. Uh, I, I think is a nice opportunity. Thank you both. Thank you. Businesses. 
um, I think in the in the ordinance is a half million dollars for businesses and maybe three hundred thousand dollars for homeowners who rent. Uh, under certain conditions, homeowners who uh, rent who occupy and other have other rental units within the same structure, but other people that just have rental units, it's five hundred thousand. Thanks. Any other detail you want to get to that? Or? So there were some questions last time about who it applies to, and um, the state has not given any guidance whatsoever. And we looked, and um, we couldn't find an answer on Martin uh, in our research skills, because neither can the League of Municipalities. Um, they put out an article here that says, referring to the law, and specifically about the definitions of who has to get these certificates, uh, quote, it is vague and does not provide for additional guidance or rules to be adopted to assist municipalities with enforcing the state's policies. The law offers, uh, does not offer very many additional details. This creates uncertainty regarding exactly who must obtain and register their insurance certificate since the new law does not specifically define or provide any indication about the scope of what kind or type of business must maintain the applicable business insurance policy. And then it goes on for several paragraphs saying the same thing. But the answer is, um, no one knows the definition of business, um, what the legislature intended, how broad it is. And I imagine there'll be guys coming, but it's not here yet. And also one more task, I think, uh, passed over to Chris, or clerk, excited. As <laughs> yeah, always, can't to wait. <laughs> maintain this database and all the certificates, right? Yeah. Sorry. We're going to try to um, incorporate it with our mercantile licensing process. So every year when they renew that, They'll have to send us a certificate. And then the building department's going to have to get involved um, because they know the rental unit market better than, I mean, I don't have any information yeah, on that. Yeah, this one's some overlap so now with what we're doing. It's going to be part of the CO process probably sure, for so rentals. Right. So if there's, is that, when, when is this start? January, uh, I think. 90, 90 days, I'm sorry, I was looking at, several statutes last night, so I don't want to get them mixed up. But I think it's 90 days for new certificates, but if you have a certificate in place on the effective date of the act, it's 180 days. But I think it's 90 days from the effective date of the act, which I think was August, um, is when businesses start having to go to uh, people like Chris, to the clerks, to um, Chris. Yeah, my, my guess will probably be a little grace period in here. Just my so, I mean, so, I mean that, that sounds like it's now. Um, so, we don't have a definition of what a business is yet, so what kind of guidance do we hand out to our business owners in town? I mean, can we just say, have to everything, or do we set up our own set of, do we set up our own set of, uh, uh, do we set up our own definition of what a business is If you're doing it in conjunction with mercantile license, maybe the course now is to uh, get it from those persons that are mercantile license. You're going to have a lot of people that are like, you know, that are LFL, you know, uh, self-employed or LLCs, and they're going to be like, I don't want to have to get a $500,000 insurance policy and it's just me uh, because I'm, you know, protecting myself with an LLC. I mean, that's technically a business. The borough's not tasked with enforcing this. The, the borough's not tasked under the legislation with going out and writing summonses for people who don't do it. It's only the people, I, I don't know what the enforcement mechanism is, presumably it comes from the state. Um, the borough is tasked with making sure for people to come to get the certificates, get the certificates in, and then give the certificate of registration and collecting the fee. Um, 
So, so, all right, so that makes sense that if we tie it to the mercantile license, then it's people that are getting a license anyway, and now we're right. saying, okay, well, the state says that you have to have. What we need to figure out is how to, um, a lot of these policies are going to be, um, you know, expired different times throughout the year. So when they submit one with their mercantile application, it may expire in three months. Like, <clears throat> we just have to keep. Did, did the state send it to businesses or did they just send it to the municipalities to say this is the new? It's a, and, no, they passed the law and it, it's distributed, you know, to the local, local finance notices. The extent businesses know they're probably learning it from chambers of commerce and, and those types of organizations. So here, here's a new law. We don't know how to enforce it. We don't know what we, we don't know the definition of it, but you got to put it in place. Yeah, the same. It's almost similar with the cannabis law last year. Remember, the day it was like, oh, you can every town can do this now. And it's like, what's the guidance? Yeah. Nobody knew. They go, okay, thanks. At least with the cannabis law, they knew that regulations were coming out. They knew the date they were supposed to come. This is nothing. I, I was hoping when they put it in the statutes, they would put it in a section that already had a definition, but they created an entirely new section, so there's no definitions. In it does include short-term rentals, though. It includes all rentals, yeah. So it will, it will parlay into the next subject here. Right. It'll right. be helpful for registration anyway. It will. A little more for over time. We'll get a baseline and then we'll Yeah, that's what I'm guessing we're going to have, you know, the lack of enforcement right now. I just think it's going to be detrimental for those people. If, if an LLC is considered a business and has to get a half a million dollar insurance policy and there's only one guy working off of a computer in their living room, yeah, I can't imagine that's the case. I'm thinking it's a brick and mortar type thing. Especially if we have the, sorry. I'm sorry, you're right. I mean, I think more guidance will come out, I think, in the meantime. They don't, there is no enforcement. There was nothing in there that says the penalty will be this. Uh, but then there is a provision that says that actually it's valid by ordinance. Can, <coughs> can enforce a penalty um, if someone doesn't register, but I wouldn't recommend you do that until you get guidance. All right, thank you. All right, so we're uh, coming up to number four, which is short-term rental ordinance. It's been, again, a work in progress. I think we're finally at the end of that process. We have to draft the ordinance in there. I believe, Earl, you want to speak to this one? I, I do, Mayor. Thank you. Sure. So I think everybody knows we've been advancing the short-term rental ordinance. It's very commonplace in the towns around us. Most of the neighboring towns do have this. Um, we've finalized it. Chris sent it out as part of the package that she sent out a couple days in advance. Don't know if you had a chance to look at it, but it's been through the council as far as discussion and discussing the framework, which I'll cover again. <coughs> Legal has done a complete review and update of the document and is comfortable with it if the council is. Uh, we also ran it by Mike Baskin, our CFO, and Mike reviewed it and was comfortable and felt it was appropriate and similar to what we're doing in Neptune to be familiar with. I would ask for the council members and the mayor to take a look at this, please. If there's any changes that we want to do, and I'll explain what's in it in a minute. Uh, I'd like to really get them by tomorrow. Because what we'd like to do is we are looking next Tuesday night to basically introduce this ordinance. That puts us on path that if we introduce it next Tuesday, we can enact it, enact it in November, which is good because that's in advance of the time we want this to start, which is January 1st of next year. So that's been consistent all the way through the timeline that we've talked about, but I'd ask you to please take a look at it and be prepared to provide any last minute comments. Um, the goal is to have this in place well in advance of the 23 rental season. So none of our residents are in a position to say, I didn't know about this. I started renting my property, and I didn't know about it. 
I'll talk about the communication method in a minute. But just to rehash what's in this document, if you want to read through it, great. If not, this is what it contains. Number one, the ordinance is going to be effective January 1st of this coming year, 2023. A short-term rental is defined as anything that is rented less than 90 continuous days. So if you do it for six months or a year, it's not a short-term rental, and everything we're talking about here does not apply to you. The state is very clear on its definition of short-term rental that we're well aligned with, and this is consistent with other we're towns. Just Based on discussion that took place on the council, we were looking at either three or seven days as the minimum stay in a short-term rental. Where we ended up on was three. I know there was some differing views, but I think the majority felt free. And part of that was because it supported the weekend events that we have, whether they be weddings or family events. We figured we'll start with three, see how it goes. If we want to change it, we can always change it. But that's what's written into the document right now. Is three consecutive day minimum is what is proposed. The main reason for doing that is our hope is going to reduce the nightly rentals, which brings an effect for the neighbors, which is viewed as undesirable. And therefore, it's something we hope we can improve and make it more family-oriented and not nightly kind of, kind of rentals. There's going to be an annual registration fee of $500. <coughs> which is very typical for the property rental. That's every year that's going to get imposed. A certificate of occupancy is going to be required as part of that. So this is our methodology when they register of getting the CO in place so that we have better grip and control on what's happening there. We're asking for 24-7 contact information to make sure that we can get in touch with people uh, if they're not in the property themselves. A lot of these are uh, owner-occupied and they rent another portion, but for several of them, they're not even in the house. So if something happens, we have to effectively be able to get in touch with the people who are the responsible party. Um, we just talked about this, but embedded in this is proof of liability insurance. So if any short-term rentals, we have a requirement that Richard outlined before, and that's defined in here. And the thought around that is when they come in with their application and they pay their $500 fee, we're hoping they're going to come in with their proof of insurance, and that takes care of the short-term rental component of what we just talked about. Uh, we are permitted, per state law, to implement a 3% tax. Uh, the way that works is it is actually, if it's done by Airbnb, VRBO, or any of the online marketplace, they do the collection of the tax. It is built right into the website. It is collected by the Airbnb or whoever they are. That is paid to the state, and then the state refunds us that 3% tax. So many of the neighboring towns around us implement that. I've reviewed that. I have a list of those in the package, not, not in this package, but several of them in the area. I probably count to 10 or 15 that are actually doing that. Um, we are going to make sure that the short-term rental people are actively notified of this. And the two ways they're going to get notified about it is, number one, in talking with Airbnb, I had a lengthy conversation with them. Once our ordinance is enacted, we provide them with a copy of it and a summary and they send that to, the, to their renters. So the information can get to the short-term renter owners through the Airbnb or whatever marketplace vendors. In addition to that, I've had conversations with the administration here that we're going to double verify. We're going to identify all the ones we can, and we're going contact, to contact them directly. So they're in a position that they're going to get information through the two routes. We're talking about certified letters as part of their tax bill, or actually just putting something in their mailbox to make sure that they were aware of it. We also identify fines that would be invoked if people do not comply. We'll probably have people who would say, I didn't know about this, I'm doing it. So our fine structure is based on what I think is a reasonable approach. First offense, we get a warning. Second offense, it's a fine anywhere from $100 to $500, depending on the nature of the infraction. And third and more offense, 500 to 2,000 with possible termination of the short-term rental permit. 
So again, we use guidelines from other areas. Uh, Richard and the team provided some recommendations on how we handle it. We don't want to penalize anybody. We want to make sure we get this ordinance in control, operating, and effective so that the people are aware. They pay the registration fee. They have their insurance. And we do it in such a way that it does not have the overnight effect that we're dealing with on some of our blocks. The last two things I'll say on this is our best estimate right now at this point in time is that somewhere between 40 and 60 short-term rental properties that fall into this category. So if you just use that as a figure of merit, we'll figure out the exact number. We estimate that between the registration and municipal tax and the fines that will likely be invoked, which hopefully are relatively small due to compliance, it should raise about $100,000 worth of revenue for the town through fees and the municipal tax that we'll get. We'll see how it goes. Joe and I have talked about the administration of this. A lot of the collection of the tax is done automatically. We have people in, in, in obviously, administration that can handle this, but we want to look at the workload to make sure it can be accommodated. We don't want to bring something new in and not recognize it brings additional enforcement and uh, court responsibilities. So again, the last request here is we want to be ready to go on Tuesday night. If you haven't looked at it, a summary was sent, similar to what I provided here. A copy of the ordinance was sent by Chris. And then hopefully on Tuesday night, we're going to put in a position to introduce it and then enact it next month. That's it. Really, thanks. Yeah, as noted, just, uh, it's going, uh, we're going to be on, on the agenda Tuesday night, so to shoot any last requests. I, I know we've beaten this one to death, so I think we're going to go. But if anyone has any last questions. I just have a good question. Sure. Um, mentioned that potentially we're getting $100,000 in revenue from tax and everything. Good. Do Airbnb's currently flat tax like this past summer and funding or are we getting the money now? No, we're not getting so they're paying the tax but we're not getting it? No, there's no municipal tax applied to properties that can be rented in town. State taxes apply. But without an ordinance in place and approval by the state, they cannot collect that tax on our behalf. Joe and I talked about that. We, we believe we're going to be okay, but we're going to monitor it. And if it winds up that the burden of it exceeds what we can handle, we'll have to adjust. The, the, the new insurance requirement kind of goes hand in hand with this. It's going to be in a program. You're going to be able to do this online, you know, the Airbnb. Uh, I guess the enforcement aspect, if somebody doesn't register, it isn't going through Airbnb or VRBO, then I don't, you know, that, that'll be problematic. We're gonna to have to figure those out. Um, but other than that, I think it'll flow from our new program that we have for, for, for probably 80% of them. Uh, I don't, I, we're get, I'm guessing at those numbers, I don't know how many just do it on their own, you know, through, uh, through the internet. I just don't know. Yeah, we're gonna, we're gonna learn as we go here, obviously it's new for us, but when I talk to the Airbnb rep assigned to New Jersey in this area, they basically describe it as business as usual for them. It's very typical the way, the way it works and it is happening in other times. So are they, uh, if, if we provide the uh, online merchants with, with the requirements that we have, X, Y, and Z, whatever they are, and that, uh, so the, the, rent, the rental owner has to provide Airbnb with that information before Airbnb will list the rent, but will list the unit. Is that correct? The middle part of what you just said, you lost me on. So, we tell Airbnb that we have these three things that need to be done by the owner. In other words, they need to pay a fine, they have to pay the fee, 
They have to provide proof of insurance. They have to do whatever. But now, is that coming to us and then we're telling Airbnb that we got it, or is that going to Airbnb and then Airbnb is then sending that to us? Uh, and we're sending it to Airbnb and they're sending it to the owners of the property. Right, but once the owners of the property get it, they get that information and they say, okay, well, you need to provide the town X, Y, and Z. They Are they collecting that no. information? No. No, so they, it's not the information that we're asking for, the completion of the registration form, getting a CEO, proof of insurance, contact information. It is an obligation of the property owner to provide that to us, not to where the Okay, so now the final question to that is, if that's the obligation of the property owner, what confirmation does Airbnb have that that's actually been done before they list the property? If, there's, if somebody is not a good actor, right, if somebody's not doing that, we know about it. Airbnb's response to that is if they're a bad actor, you contact us and we will deal with them. Okay, so that's, that's where I was going with the uh, having somebody looking at it. So now, we're, now we have somebody on staff that needs to be combing these sites, looking for listings, and double-checking our records to make sure we've got all the paperwork in, in place. That's not just a quick one, two, three. That's you're constantly looking at websites and combing through websites and matching those, matching those record, matching those website addresses with the records that we have of final of completed process. Yeah, I mean, like I said before, Kevin, we're going to walk before we run here. We're going to figure this process out. But in about one hour, I can figure out. 40 to 50 properties in town that are doing nightly rentals to Airbnb. And I could just look at the list of who's registered. And if somebody's not registered, they're... Well, I, uh, and yeah. I agree with you, somebody's gonna have to monitor this. I'm not trying to downplay the fact that it's not gonna be a full-time job. Yeah, it's not gonna be a full-time job. It's not gonna be zero. No, no I, be I understand. I just, I, I know that past performance with some of our folks in town, that, you know, any, any additional work has always been balked at a little bit for, from some of them. Um, not all, obviously, but you know, I always, there's always some concern. We say, okay, we have more work for you. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You so know, we're so. going to figure that out. Okay. Right. And, right. I, and, and we acknowledge the fact that this is not a zero additional work situation. Okay. Right. Um, the other thing I would ask, if anybody has any concerns or objections about this, if they could just mention them now. Does anybody on the council or mayor have anything that they're particularly concerned about? Sorry, I can't imagine there's going to be anything. You know, the, 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 only, the only thing that, that comes to mind for me is, um, you know, I, I think structurally and, and conceptually this makes sense and, and we should do this. Um, the, the only question I have is, is uh, as it pertains to the revenue generated from the program, um, you know, uh, Joe, we, I want to have a conversation with Mike and, and about how those, whatever the, the estimated funds are, how those funds are allocated, <clears throat> whether or not there needs to be any, um, you know, Allocation of funds, you know, to, to labor, to if necessary, to, to, to meet that requirement. So, um, if, if if there's a, uh, uh, I know we have a meeting coming up next week. Um, this wasn't, I don't, I managed, I don't think this, this was a budgeted item um, for the, the current fiscal year. We couldn't even have a number, I and mean, we weren't to this point. But now that we are, and and funds are going to be coming in mid-year, let's talk about how you know those funds be allocated because it might not be an, an insignificant figure. Um, once it's up and running. Uh, agreed, agreed. Uh, but I don't think we'll collect any fees until January, really, because that's when it goes into effect. Yeah. Well, the other thing is, too, is you did mention that those fees are going from Airbnb to the state. We've, uh, history has proven that once, once the state gets a hold of them, very rarely do we actually get them. 
So what guarantees do we have? What guarantees do we have of actually getting that revenue from the state once they once it's in their coffers? Yeah. So so we're going to find out, right? This is a system that's been working well before us getting our ordinance in place. Uh, the main reason we're doing this is not for revenue generation. No, right. The main reason we're doing this is to get what's something that out of control can actually be a, a, a not good thing for the town. Right. That's our main objective. And I agree, the level of enforcement can vary from none to a lot. We'll have to decide what makes sense for us. And, no, and Kevin, it, it, for many years, uh, towns had a hotel tax. Uh, different than this, but very similar. It goes right to the state, and then the municipality gets a check once a year. I was part of that in law. We got a check. Now, was it the right amount? <laughs> I have absolutely no idea. Uh, so I think it'll be similar to that, but we got to chat. Yeah, no, I'm just saying, cause, you know, it does sound like there's going to be extra work for folks, which means usually extra money for folks, which means that this money is going to be allocated to pay that person to then handle that extra work and blah, 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 blah. So, you know, if it's not coming from that tax, it's coming from us. And so now there's an extra line item that we need to add to our. I don't, I don't really believe it's a heavy lift. With 40 properties, uh, I really don't. Are we going to miss place. some? Probably, yeah, but, no, I but I think I, we could I, find I, them. I agree. I'm just send yeah. them a letter. If this takes more than an hour a week from someone, <laughs> I'd be very surprised. And we're not going to like hire a special agent to go around knocking up doors. <laughs> no. Okay. So thank you. Our goal is to get this uh, introduced next Tuesday night. All right. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, everybody. Yep. Uh, moving on to number five. Once this is another one, we weren't here for a while, the small note ordinance and also the right away application. I know Joe, we spoke with this one. Do you want to speak to this? Well, we received an application from Municite. Uh, I think that's how you pronounce it. Uh, sent it over to Rich. Chris sent it over to Rich. Rich, maybe you could speak to it. Do we we have to deal with it because it's an application? It's uh, an application, yeah, and there's um, time periods depending on whether, uh, dependent on whether they want to. Um, Establish poles or um, or um, attach them to existing poles. Um, so we do have to sit down with these folks and um, see what we um, can work out with them in terms of an agreement. I know some ideas, and um, I know so we have to do that. We also got another one um, just the other day from Verizon, um, from the attorneys for Verizon, who were also requesting to meet. Uh, so we have to do that. We have to sit, uh, sit with them, see if we can work out, and then. In conjunction with that, we have this ordinance, um, which uh, will organize the process going forward. So when, once we get these applications, we can point to the person who are bringing the application to them and say, um, this is our regulations, this is what you have to go by, you have to co-locate, um, here are our regulations in terms of spacing them out and um, taking down the abandoned wires uh, and other equipment that's not act, um, uh, functional anymore. Um, so we'd like, to, I did, it would be a good idea to get that ordinance in place as soon as possible. But for the persons who, people are coming in now, uh, we have to sit down here. The big thing is, the big thing on that is that was co-location, co because these are, you know, we all know that the, well, if we don't know, uh, if you don't know, these, all of these poles have to be somewhere in the realm of about 100 yards apart. Um, so that's a lot of poles, especially when you're talking four or five different services coming in. Um, and if they're on a single pole, you're going to have a picket fence running right down the right <laughs> ocean avenue, um, which we don't want. So we want to make sure that the co-location is very, very strongly addressed. Um, and that they actually 
have proven that they can co-locate. We've had that problem before where, you know, cell tower here, they said, oh yeah, no, we can co-locate, and the next company comes along, we, we can't fit our equipment in there. And so now we had to build bigger building and all this other stuff. So that's always an issue, and it's always, uh, no offense, it's lawyer, their lawyers take over and handle it for words so that it looks pretty for us, and we handle the problem, but never really solves the problem. Um, so that's the thing we really have to be careful about, so that if it is co-located, if, if we do make sure that they're co-located, that they actually can co-locate. Otherwise, they'll build this thing that only fits their gear and won't fit anyone else's. And that's a problem. So, I appreciate it. Though. Thank you, Richard. Is there a way that they can put a, a street address next to his latitude and longitude thing? I'm supposed to be to get that. Yeah, they're supposed to give us that. Part of this order is that they have to give us an exact map. <coughs> so, they're trying to figure out longitude and latitude. They have to give us a map showing exact location every pole they need to cover the town. Yeah, there is that. So will we put this on Tuesday night? Yeah. Thank you. I the uh, as everyone knows, uh, we just went to a uh, we had a three-person committee go over. Uh, they created a report after the numerous public meetings on the topic, which is probably going back to last year when the town was reviewing like, a lot of other towns, the possibility of adding an establishment downtown, and we did do it last year. So this year, as a, as a body, we decided to put it through a more formal public process to get input from everybody. So the committee was headed up by Irwin, and he, he asked to speak to this today, give a, a brief summary on, on the results of the report, and then, of course, council will take actions after that. But Okay, thanks, Mayor. I appreciate the time. It's going to maybe take six or seven minutes to go through this. Um, the, the full package of the work that was done by the committee was is in front of you. Uh, Chris handed it out. There's no expectation you're going to take a look at that now. But my intent here is to go through a brief summary of the committee focus, what we did, what the feedback was, and then at the end talk about potential ways forward for the council to consider. No action at this meeting, just consideration of what we heard and what we want to do going forward. So first of all, as committee chair, I want to thank Chris and Michelle for their excellent meeting support. We had great turnout and really appreciated them doing it. I want to thank Chief Friedman, who was involved in the process and providing us specific answers to questions that we had. Uh, Councilman Lamia and Bird, as well as committee members, uh, for their commitment and major contributions. And I have to say, we, we put a lot of time into this, a lot of meetings, and we had 100% council participation in every one of those meetings, which was good. Because when you sit in these meetings, you all hear things a little differently. But when you put it all together as a team, you get a different perspective because everybody combines and provides input to it. Um, so I want to thank John and Kevin for their support there. Most importantly, to the Seabright residents and to the business owners, they came out uh, in, in, in force, which was really good during some of our town hall meetings, so we appreciated that. And obviously, there were others involved. I'll get to in a couple minutes, but everybody contributed to this effort. Uh, we conducted our activities over a six-week period in line with the plan which we had previously reviewed and got approval by the governing body. We agreed during this committee work to touch five specific areas. The first was we wanted to talk to Seabright residents uh, and the public. We wanted to next talk to Seabright business owners. The third we had was first responder leadership, what was their perspective on the subject. 
The fourth was neighboring towns that had operational recreational dispensaries in place, the kind of lessons learned from their experience. And the fifth very important element was cannabis businesses interested in establishing a dispensary in town. And we had good turnout for that as well. So I'm going to very briefly go through the outcome of each one of these sessions and then certainly the same questions at the end. So with regard to the Seabright resident public engagement, we had two sessions. They were town hall format. Over 80 people attended, which for us is a good turnout. And at those meetings, 38 people took the opportunity to express their views on allowing cannabis in the town in, in a potential dispensary. During all of this, the conversation was strictly class five. We did not get into the other classes uh, of, of, of cannabis types uh, because I think the town is only considered a dispensary. In addition to the people that expressed their views, we received 25 uh, emails. We provided an email that people could provide their input. All of their responses, all the inputs from the emails are contained in this package as well as if anybody wants to read through them. And I will say that the intent with this document is once the council and the mayor have had a chance to review this, we'll put this on the Seabright website so that people can actually read the whole report going forward. Um, the overall assessment from the public engagement was the vast majority of the people that spoke, and again, that was only 38, but of the vast majority that spoke and the people that provided emails into us, greater than 95% of the people in attendance and 100% of the people via email was strongly against the governing body reversing the decision of Ordinance 11.2021, which was enacted last year to prohibit any sale until further review. So there were some primary reasons that were cited by the people that got up and spoke. Um, there's a list of about six of them here, I'll go through quickly. Number one, lack of an acceptable location in town where they felt that the dispensary could be accommodated. The second was potential impact on parking, traffic, needs of customers, and closeness to residents. The third was attracting an element to the town not consistent with our desires. Next was increased odor in public spaces due to expanded cannabis availability and use. Uh, after that, a view that cannabis consumption could lead to other drug use. Uh, second to last, potential revenue generated would be more than offset by increased town costs. And lastly, and this is probably the one that most people spoke about, concern that it would change the family atmosphere and it would move the town in a, in, in a backward direction. This is not the opinion of the committee. This is the opinion of the people who got up and spoke. There were a couple of folks that got up and spoke on behalf of it. Uh, two people got up at the public sessions who were in favor and cited the following reasons for being in favor. First of all, they cited that most of the Seabright residents voted in favor of legal, legalization of cannabis. We know that's the case because in the general election, I think close to 70% of Seabright residents voted for legalization in the state. The second was, it was felt people have to join the times and dispel the fact that there's a stigma attached to cannabis because it's not illegal anymore. It's now legal in the state and therefore people have to think more up at the times. The next one was about cannabis is going to be in the town either way so we should benefit from the potential tax revenue. So those were the points that were raised overall, but in general, the people that spoke, 9,700% of the people spoke out against it. The next thing we did on a separate evening is we met with uh, business owners, but we also opened it to the public because we felt that forum was appropriate to have both the businesses and for residents to hear what the businesses had to say. So we reserved one evening for that, and total 37 people representing both businesses and general public attended the session. All of the business owners that got up and spoke, and that's five, uh, were in strong opposition to allowing a dispensary in town. As best as we could tell from the sign-in list and by who was in the room, we had about eight businesses. We invited 53. 
Okay, so eight showed up, five spoke, and of the five that spoke, they were all against the idea of permitting it. Um, their primary concerns were availability of parking and the resulting impact on the businesses, and potential concern of changing the culture and feel of the town. So from a business engagement perspective, overall, they were strongly against it. The third area I touched on was first responder engagement. Uh, we requested meetings with both uh, the chief of police and EMS. Only police was available. Uh, EMS was not available for the schedule we had laid out, so unfortunately we didn't have their input. But our feeling, the committee's feeling, was the primary first responder responsibility is going to come with the police department versus EMS. Uh, the chief was well prepared for the meeting. We sent him a series of questions in advance. Uh, he answered all of those questions, including sharing with us what he's hearing from chief communications from other towns and you know, what's going on in the general area where it has been permitted. And the overall view of the police chief is that he does not feel is necessarily a good location in the town for a dispensary. From him and his officers' inputs, it appears the residents are against it. Um, he did express a concern that he tends to deploy his officers where there are potentially issues and therefore he thinks he may have to deploy offices in the area of a dispensary and feels that it may impact the overall workforce and may, depending on circumstances, if we approve this, come back and ask for additional uh, staffing to address any issues that arise from it. But he did feel that it could represent some challenges because as we know the Attorney General regulations on how you handle cannabis is, uh, is, is hands off unless there's another offense involved. And that was one of the inputs from the other chiefs in other towns is, it can't be a first offense issue because it's, uh, it's controlled by how the Attorney General wants it handled. The next area we went to was neighboring towns that have operational recreational dispensaries. Uh, in an effort to learn from their experience, we reached out to a couple of neighboring towns. We reached out to Eatontown and to Neptune. Eatontown did not respond at all. Uh, they did not accept our, our request for a meeting. Um, and subsequent to this, we've come to learn that Eatontown appears to be involved in a legal dispute over this somehow. Somebody's claiming something was not done appropriately. So we could kind of understand why maybe they didn't want to talk to us. Um, the Neptune leadership was very forthcoming. They were very well prepared. They had an excellent team there, including people who were on the cannabis committee, people on, on the council side. The CFO, Mike Baskin, was there, and they were very well prepared. And described to us what's been a pretty good journey for them along the way on this. Overall, the insights that they provided were very helpful. They're early in the process. They had medical cannabis at Zenleaf on uh, Route 66 previously, but that now has recreational and medical. They're two months into the recreational side of things. So their report to us based on the first two months experience. They indicated they're not experiencing any negative impacts so far, no particular issues with the police. Um, they don't have the actual revenue generation that's gonna be created, but they're expecting it to be substantial. In the document, I'm not gonna go into it here, they provided us expected numbers, they don't have any facts yet, but that is contained in the report which I'll show, which is shared. Uh, but they did tell us that once they get their first tax payment, they'll let us know what it is and what it's gonna look like, recognizing it's a bigger town, but maybe we could factor it in somehow to determine what revenue generation would be like if we permitted it to be here. But very, very good meeting, very pleased with how prepared they were and how forthcoming they were. They did indicate that one of the primary things that were important in their approval was their ability to put it in an area that they didn't think would affect schools, daycare, not too close to residents. They have commercial areas, and those of you that know Route 66 over there and where the Marshalls and Costco is, that's where it's located in that parking lot. And, and John and I, on the way back, actually drove back past there after the meeting. And things seemed to be fine at the facility. There was no line outside, but there were a lot of cars. 
which tells me they can handle a lot of people inside at point of service. Uh, but we didn't see anything that caused particular concern with that particular site. Um, obviously, the one in Eatontown, we didn't talk to, we've driven by there, had impressions of that one as well. So the last area I'm going to cover of the meetings is meetings with the cannabis businesses interested in establishing a dispensary. Leading up to our committee meetings, a total of four companies had reached out and wanted to speak with us. Our plan was to meet with them individually, separately, to make sure we could protect any business-sensitive information, anything proprietary, competition-sensitive to their business model. Because several of these people are not just looking to do this in Seabright, but they're looking to do it in other towns. So we wanted to be very mindful and respectful of the information they were providing, so all of those meetings were held separately. And I want to say it now, when you read the report, everything you're going to see on this subject has been anonymized in such a way that what we effectively do is we take the average of their inputs and provide that as an average input for businesses that respond. So if you ask a question, how many employees are you going to have? One's going to have two, one's going to have four, one's going to have six. What you'll see in the report is four. Because we just took the average of everybody's input. We didn't want anybody to be able to extract other businesses' competition sensitive information. So um, in the end, only three of the companies showed up for meetings. One of them was not prepared. They said they'll keep abreast of what's happening, depending on what the council decides to do. I'll say that the council greatly appreciated the meetings with the interested cannabis businesses and the input they provided. Their degree of experience varied from experts all the way to novices, and it was, it was good to kind of get that different perspective. Uh, they provided important insights into their business plans, their experience, their financial measures, including potential tax revenue, which I'll talk about in a minute, their proposed business locations, anticipated challenges, and the way they would mitigate community concerns. The business were extremely well prepared when they came in and talked to us, and it was, it was actually a pleasure to pick their brains a little bit on their perspective. Now, one of the things that, that, that we as a council have tried to understand is, if we did this, what would the revenue generate? Right? And it could be all over the place, right? Recognizing that we can collect a 2% municipal tax on all cannabis sales that would take place in the town, both for walk-in as well as any deliveries that would take place. In the report are the numbers averaged that were provided by the businesses. No individual businesses information was provided. But if you took all three inputs, and we asked them for three-year projections, because there is some view that as more dispensaries come into state, now we have 18, when we have 75, individual values may go down. They provided us their three-year projections. So we took the average of the three, the average of the three-year projections, and when you swirled it all around, what popped out was a number that they would project about $200,000 a year in tax revenue for Seaway, based on the volume of business that they would anticipate over the next few <coughs> years. That's all we asked them to do. That was no individual input, that was the average of the three, and I think it's a reasonable figure of merit for us to consider if we want to think what the revenue generation potential could be. So, very good meetings. Um, I know they're interested in the activity going forward. We have tried to make them very aware and transparent of what's happening in this process, as we have done with the public. We sent out emails to all of the businesses letting them know that we were going to be doing this today, and we may be talking about it again next Tuesday evening at the council if we decide to do that. So in summary, uh, I think it's felt that the committee was able to effectively conduct the evaluation efforts in accordance with the process that was proposed and accepted by the governing body. All the public meetings were conducted with the required formal notification process and were very well attended by the community. Non-public meetings were conducted as planned and the results are shared in the committee report in an anonymized way as we described. The committee is confident that it has protected the confidentiality of the information 
information provided by the interested cannabis businesses, and such information has been shared in an anonymized and integrated way to protect their inputs. Um, again, the committee would like to thank all those that supported and participated in the comprehensive process. The total results and findings are in greater detail in the document that's provided to all the council members and, and the mayor. So we talked about what's the potential way forward. Um, it's the view of the committee that there are three potential ways for us to go forward at this point in time. Number one, maintain the existing ordinance, which is 11-2021, which prohibits all classes of cannabis businesses within the town of Seabright. It's believed that if we go down that path, that action to maintain the existing ordinance could be agreed at a standard public council meeting. So since we already have an ordinance banning it, we don't need a resolution for a new ordinance. If we decided to go down that path, Mayor, the view is it would basically be a vote of the council to determine whether or not it wants to proceed in that direction. The second approach is the governing body would develop a new ordinance which would permit class five cannabis sales in Seabright and then would put that to a council vote. It's believed that this path would require drafting of a new ordinance, notification of discussion in a public forum, and then the formal council vote, which would require majority approval to put a new ordinance in place permitting cannabis class five sales in the town. The third alternative is the governing body elects to, to put the question of allowing recreational cannabis class five sale to a resident vote. It's believed that this path would require the council drafting a new ordinance followed by passing a resolution to include appropriate wording in a general election referendum, allowing the voters to decide on allowing whether or not recreational cannabis would be sold in town. So, what the, what the recommendation here is, at this time the mayor and council, because you did not have a chance to read it in advance, review the whole document. Take three, four days, take a look at it, and then determine at next week's meeting how we want to proceed on Tuesday evening. After we've reviewed all of the details, we have our perspective, maybe you want to talk to some people, whatever the case may be, potentially next Tuesday night, this is a recommendation, the council could determine which of these three paths it would like to proceed on. Doesn't mean a final decision is made, but we could discuss and debate which path we would want to take. Mayor, my view is if that is our intent to do that next week, we would want to make sure the public is aware of that because they've been involved in this process obviously all the way. So if we decide to do that, we can discuss it next Tuesday at 7 o'clock, or if the council has an alternative strategy they'd like to take, we could certainly do that as well. Before I open it to just any general questions, I would just ask the other committee members if there's anything that they want to add. John? Um, I, I believe we did a, a comprehensive approach to understand the opportunity. Uh, Councilman Bieber did a good job keeping us on task. Um, couple of times there were things going sideways, but he, he pulled it back. And the business prospects did a really good job of representing their position of how they would introduce this to the community. So uh, it was an eye-opening. There was a lot of new information. Uh, meeting the other town uh, that has this working uh, was insightful. And uh, yeah, I, th I think that overall, uh, we did what we said we would do, right? So now it's up to us to decide how we go forward. Thank you. Okay. I just want to say, I just want to say thank Erwin for doing such a great job with this. He really did, like as John said, keep us on task. He did have, you know, he did a lot of work preparing the report and all of the questionnaires and everything like that. So I do want to thank him for that. Um, as far as, as far as additional information, um, I think the only thing piece that I would add is that. Um, I don't know if you, if you said it in your summary, but Neptune, Neptune did decide to go to a council vote where they basically said, 
the town voted for it. They had, I think they, their number was 80% for it. So they basically said, well, the town's for it. We're going to go and allow it. So that was the only piece that they, that, that was the avenue that they took. Um, doesn't mean that we recommend going that route. We're just saying that that was the avenue that they took. And they basically just said, you know, the town voted for it statewide, majority of the town. So as far as we're considering, the town wants it. So we're going to go forward with that. And, um, and so far, like Erwin said, they've had no, no bad um, feedback from it whatsoever. Um, as far as the traffic and stuff at that one location they have, it's no have different than the, the smash burger that was there before. So. But other than that, that was about it. So. I, again, thank you, Ron, for doing such a great job, and John for helping out with this as well. It's a pleasure. As everyone said, yeah, thanks guys for that. A lot of time when it's before, so just refresh. So we can just say if you want to change it, anything you need to know soon. Kind of an expected outcome based on what we're going to buy. We're getting the town everything leading up to this, so I think it's it's good to kind of put this all for report. So I think you know without biasing too much, I think I get the fresh raw well. But that being said, the three options really are kind of two options in my mind. Yeah, I knew the options. I just had a question. Was the, are they giving the recommendation of a favor or, or not a favor? No, we are not doing that. No, we, 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 we thought about doing that, and we felt it would be more appropriate for the council and mayor to understand what we found and then together develop a recommendation. And I do think once everyone reviews it, I do think it's a good idea to council. Actually, since we did put the ordinance in place, I do think at some point the council will probably be appropriate to see which path we go. So, so essentially, essentially, like uh, I would assume, if, if we want to proceed on Tuesday, Tuesday we would have a council vote that would be determining whether or not we want to move forward or remain status quo. And if we want to move forward, then we take the next steps from there. Move forward with one of the three recommendations. Yeah, but status quo would be keeping the orders in place. That's ready. We put it in last right. year. And that means we're not doing anything. Okay. And then if we do say, oh, we've change, got to change our heart, we want to uh, you know, have a considered path, and then eventually end up as a matter of fact, too. Any other questions right now? You guys have to review it, I guess. But, all right, cool. Yeah, it's pretty comprehensive report, so take your time going through it. And <coughs> there's no urgency to, to vote or anything and get feedback, whatever, but we'll, you know, it'll take your time, of course. All right, thanks again. Thanks, man. Mayor, I could kind of go through these next few quickly. Yeah, kind of housekeeping ones, yeah. Yep. Uh, Chris has included our, our beach fee uh, ordinance. Uh, if there's any changes that council would like to see for next year in pricing, please let us know. Uh, they're there. This is the time of year we have to have it in place by December because those are our pre-season sale times uh, during December. Um, what do we have right now? Eight? Eight for daily? Yep. And, and quick, quick question on that. How, I'm just trying to remember, how do we compare with our neighbors as, as far as our, our beach fees? If I remember, we were, and Sam, maybe you can speak to this, but I, 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 I missed the first question. We're talking about, about uh, beach fees for next, next year. Um, so I was just curious as to, uh, similar to how we, how we handle parking, wanted to have an understanding as to how our beach fees stacked up against our neighbors. Um, are, we, are we low, high, middle? I'm just curious about that. I think we're middle. Yeah, uh, Don always said we were right on par with everyone else, but yeah, we never wanted to be high. Most towns are between eighty and one hundred and ten dollars, or at one hundred. Okay. So, so we're right there. Eight dollar dailies, pretty standard. Some, some are ten, but uh, eight dollars is clear a million this year. In the 
We cleared a building. Yeah, yeah, that's and that time with Kate Park, and I do relate it to as a pretty um, so, so that's just a thing for, but we have to do it. It'll be on an agenda in November. Uh, the RFPs for professionals, uh, if you want to add any positions, delete any positions, uh, please let Chris and I know. Um, it's time of year to go out for the beach businesses, the skim camp and umbrella, chair rentals, etc. The other businesses, just so you know, signed five-year contracts last year, so they... These are the only ones that did not. They were a yearly, uh, yearly bid. Uh, appointing an alternate public defender, our public defender has resigned due to a conf due to conflicts, his schedule, etc. And uh, he recommended an alternate public defender to get us through the rest of the year. It will be one of the professionals. We'll solicit RFPs. Uh, his recommendation is fine with uh, with Jack and and I mean it's only a couple more months to to carry us over, and then you'll receive uh, you'll receive. Uh, Credentials for for an alternate and appoint them in January. Um, a redevelopment resolution. We're going to. That's really for a closed session item. That um, th there was a a problem with our uh, our uh, redevelopment ordinance. Uh, two borough lots were omitted from the proposal, um, and we have to have figure a cure. We are, we are, sir. And, and just, just for the public's awareness, this is in regards to the Shoots Bay River property. Correct. There, so. Yes, the, the the redevelopment plan for uh, the river. Um, I talked earlier about our we're we're going to introduce a bond ordinance to provide for the temporary funding for our 21 and 22 road improvement programs, and which we've received 350 thousand dollars in grants to do those. Uh, Engineering is not included, so that's our burden anyway. And and quickly on beach replenishment, there's been a there's been a dialogue because of the loss of beach, uh, especially in South Beach recently. Um, as you know, we were scheduled to be uh, to do the renourishment again this year. Uh, the state contacted us uh, six or eight months ago and asked if we'd be interested in participating in the program. We said yes. Uh, we were in that program until very recently. When the state said uh, it was the Army Corps and the state, I can't just pin it on the state. Uh, they didn't feel they had adequate funding to do all of the renourishment, and they were only going to do us if there was funding available. So uh, we spoke with them two weeks ago now. And the Army Corps and um, the DV. DV. And um, we spoke with them a couple weeks ago, and they said the, the primary focus of this current replenishment project has shifted to Alberon. And Long Branch, Monmouth Beach, and, and Seabright are all optionals. Um, and as we all know, anything with government that is optional is generally a no because of funding. Um, so that's where we are with that right now. So, And, and j just as a point of information, I, I hope you all got the, uh, forwarded the email just nailing down the dates in which we had the renourishments in the past and nailing down how much it cost. We paid for those, uh, for, for those uh, re-nourishments. Yeah, I just did a little bit of research on the, on the amount that we paid. So 65% was paid by the federal, and then the other remaining 35 was split between the state and us. And then we applied to the county who has in the past uh, split our portion 
Uh, so, so, so the state picks up three quarters of the 35%, which knocks the seed right down to approximately 8%. We're 10, something like that. So if we get nourished, we're just covering approximately 10% of the bill. Yes, and, th and that's, that's tradition. The county has participated with us in the past. Uh, our, we have a bill coming due for the last one, so I've called the county several times and uh, to make sure they they did put it in their budget in 21 and 22 no 20 and 21 uh, we never asked for it so it's not in their 22 budget we're hopeful they put it in their 23 budget so the last time we got completely fully merged was after standing in 2013 we received one partial since then and yeah, 2019 or 20. It, 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 well, don't want don't to belabor it, but part of our problem also is is, is the plovers. Uh, you're only allowed to re-nourish from uh, November 15th to March 15th or something like that. You're only allowed to re-nourish during that time. Uh, they're not allowed to be on the beach any other time. So. If they have money and they're going to do some and it falls in that, they go elsewhere. They don't, they don't come to Seabrae or Monmouth Beach. It's happened before. I've mean, had it in the past where we've had nourishment and then just bad. Yeah, it's just like we, we can't control the nation. Oh, we, oh, we, yeah, before the sand even gets a chance to settle, we have a storm and it uh, washes right back yeah, up. Yeah, and, and the federal, you know, it's, it's not a quick process. That's why it's, you know, we can't just snap our fingers and get it replenished. We, we were in constant contact with the DEP, Division of Coastal Engineering, Sarah Bates, the, 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 the young woman that gave us uh, all the numbers I had asked her for. Uh, she, we're on the phone with her all the time. Um, and we have the, you know, the last problem, if, if they put Monmouth Beach in the program, do they come and mobilize just for a small portion of us? The mobilization is the biggest expense to them. Getting the barges, pipes, people, on site and the mobilization are they coming for a small portion i, I don't want to throw a but cold water on this but no no joe i know we've talked about this and i appreciate what you and the team are doing we do have a couple sections where doing something compromised and we've talked about whether or not an alternative approach of skimming by us could just at least protect the dunes from falling because once they fall and all the dune grass goes it's very hard to and takes time. I know you were going to look into this as an alternative. Yeah, Greg and I, he gave me the regs on it. I talked to Sarah. Um, the, the, it's pretty onerous, though, to do that now. I mean, you need a pre-survey, a post-survey, uh, to make sure the profile's the same as the Army Corps profile was. Um, and, I, and we're pursuing it. We're, we're going for it. We had, we, Greg had to do uh, a bit of work for Roger uh, the, the delineation of our public accesses for some reason had to be on a map. They wouldn't take it on our tax map. Have you have you given that to, to Roger yet? And that was the last part we needed for our municipal public access plan. We have to forward them the plan prior to our application. So we're underway. We're underway. But and and I visited Belmar last week because uh, there were some reports that they were doing skimming. They were not. Uh, they did a new snow fence along the entirety of their beach um, in an effort to try to capture some of the blowing sand. Uh, I haven't had a chance to talk to Public Works. May want to do it in that area, but 
that might be compromised quickly because uh, the water. Yeah. The um, ironic part is, is the plovers are keeping us from doing it certain times of year, and if we don't do it, the plovers lose their home. So. <laughs> <laughs> we gotta, we gotta talk to the lower. We gotta set If we don't do this, if we don't do this, you're gonna lose your homes. Yeah. We should get a 10-year warranty on the sand. Yeah. <laughs> well, as everybody says, it's out there. As I say, it's there. It's yeah, just yeah. not on the beach. Congressman Pallone would be yeah. our, our only hope at this point. And there, it, it, I, I think I got it to everybody. Uh, the congressman got 26 million dollars to dredge. Uh, the uh, channel from Sandy Hook to uh, Oceanport. Um, Did we contact them about what they're doing with that sand? Hmm. Uh, Sarah is. Okay. Um, Double-edged sword though, uh, some of that dredging may not be the color or the smell that the public likes. Mm -hmm. I, I have to sit down now. <laughs> so, you know, and at the beginning it might be perfect. Yes. But as you get further down into the channel, it may not yeah. be. And, and Monmouth Beach went through that a few years ago, if you recall. They got some, and the residents were kind of uh, in an uproar. And, and we, in addition to reaching out to Pulno, um, uh, our senator's office should be contacted as well. So um, I imagine whoever's handling that effort is doing that. And last, I keep saying last, uh, Sarah has told us that they've gotten 25, they get $25 million a year from Sandy Hook to Cape May for beach replenishment, and it's been the same for decades, she said. It's been $25 million. They did, they did also state that they, and this is another thing we might want to press with the senators and the, uh, with the senators and, and the congressmen in town for Jersey, is pressing the federal government to do a new study on how to do this, because the, even the Army Corps of Engineering guy that was out here said they haven't done a study since the 80s. So there has been no change in the way they, their ladder its repeat function that they do now for... And this is a 50 year... 50, 40, 50 years now. They've been doing the exact same thing. So, you know, the profile has changed, the currents have changed, everything has changed here, yet the way we're doing it is exactly the same. So, um, you know, if we can press the federal government in any way, shape, or form to just do a new study, and maybe do it differently. Um, so there's a lot of new technology out there. There's a lot of new processes out there. That means um, seven to 10-year study, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, it doesn't matter how long the study is, as long as it gets done again, and we're not doing the same thing for 50 years. You know what I mean? What do they, what do they say, the uh, definition of insanity? Hmm. Uh, you know. Joe, we just want sand. I know. Yeah. <laughs> again, we spent years of getting rid of the, not getting burying the uh, jetties or the groins. That was a big step because that was, you know, that was back then, that was Part of the result of the, probably the last day. But the, but the groins have moved through storms and things like that. I don't know if they're functioning as. They're not working as well as they should. Yeah. No, no, they actually do know exact opposite. They were saying it's really almost a hindrance. Well, actually, actually the DEP folks that were here said they actually do work. It's just that, you know, they, they don't keep the sand consistent. Yep. Um, you know, we've seen it all. They, they, the the, 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 the sand collects on the south side and then. Disappears from the north side of the jetty. So when are they going to do the treasure? I don't know. Uh, they, they, he he received a, a funding of twenty six million dollars. I think did we, we did get an email, but I, I I couldn't find it. I don't know. It that. really wasn't any. I forwarded it. To she you. forwarded it to everybody. I think. Look again. The treasure is actually set up.
Thank you. Don't. So Sarah is looking into whether there's a benefit to that or not at this point. What, what type of product they're dredging? Uh, that's all I have, Mayor. We have a pretty good. We have a pretty good closed session. There's some resolutions you'll see uh, normal uh, resolutions that will be on next uh, next week's meeting. SPA contract hiring another special. Yep, as noted, so that's pretty much the end of the, uh, as Joe noticed, or mentioned there are a couple of res five resolutions that are coming up. And then besides that, we're going to have an executive session, got a couple items, and then we're not going to take any more action afterwards, so public session is over. Thanks for coming out today. Thanks, Thanks everybody. Guys. With that being said, anybody can make a motion to enter into closed session. So, second. second. All right, Councilmember Beaver? Yes. Birdsall? Yes. Booker? Yes. Pellana? Yes. Killer? Yes. All right, thanks, guys. Hold up for a minute.